This podcast is brought to you by Big Heads Media. For more great podcasts, go to bigheadsmedia.com. Welcome to Science and Politics UK. Adam's here with me again. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're doing well. It's Thursday, almost Friday, and it's payday. So it's well, time. well, well. I should add, it's Thursday, almost Friday. Well, this it's being recorded. Although this might be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday when you <laughs> listen to this. Um, yeah, it might not even be evening. So I should no, add a good morning and good afternoon yeah. to all those listeners. All right, good morning, good afternoon, happy before payday, happy after payday, and happy middle of month waiting for payday. Or if this is a cure for insomnia, good night. Um, that could be a it could be a way to uh, send some people off to sleep. But hey, you know I'm happy to please any kind of um, listener listeners' needs. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what time of day it is. It's pints and politics. So have a pint and listen to some politics. Very good, very good. I mean, that was that. Or, or again, and I have to stress this, Adam. I have to stress this. Although there are some many probably beer loving people out there, like yourself, uh, like me sometimes. Oh, yeah. um, have a pint of are, water. Yes, yes. Have a pint of water. I'll tell you what is good. Uh, iced tea. Iced tea is pretty good. I love an iced tea, to be fair. And uh, a latte. I'm loving lattes at work. I really am. Or as I should probably say, lattes, because a latte is because you come from Bailey. <laughs> I come from the north, and that was a Liverpoolian accent. That was a Liverpool accent, not a Burnley the accent. Scouts. Scouts. Yes, anyway, anyway, lots to discuss, because uh, as those of you who are in the UK will be aware, this has been quite a big week in terms of the roadmap, Boris Johnson's roadmap that he has discussed. We have predicted the roadmap, or we have discussed predictions for the roadmap in the previous episode and the episode before that. Because it's a really big thing, obviously, and uh, it's the biggest thing in our politics at the moment. Where will Britain go uh, to get out of the lockdown that they're in? Yeah, people's livelihoods are right. literally depending on this roadmap. People's yeah. businesses, people's mental health, ability to see family, care homes, hospitals. It, it all depends on this. Yeah. Anyway, the, the, the question I'm going with, the leading question is... And you don't answer it just yet, because I'm just going to give a bit of two pennies, throw my two pennies in. Uh, the question is, will the UK government come out of this pandemic with a positive reputation? I see many people, I can already hear many people going, no, hitting their hands on the table. And to be honest, I would be in that camp. I, I know my opinion. I know Adam's opinion. Quite similar opinions on the topic. But this is what I can foresee. And I'm going to tie this with probably the most notable thing uh, that I've noticed this week with regards to the roadmap. It's not been officially confirmed, but and we'll, actually I'll get onto that in a second. I just want your opinion on the question that I just asked. But I will say that the roadmap that came out was probably not too dissimilar to the roadmap that we discussed last week as highlighted by the Daily Mail, which we thought was a little ambitious, 
this one, see, the roadmap we're seeing, the official roadmap, does seem to follow similar guidelines to the one we discussed last week. Correct. All right. But, what was that? Are you a Dalek? But, yeah, correct. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it's a month and a half, you know, six to eight weeks. Yes. Before each step that we predicted. So what I mean by that is, I'm right in saying what April 21st is what everyone's raving about when uh-huh. you know you, you know clubs, pubs, all that stuff. Um, no, I think clubs it's not, are it's not, it's not clubs, clubs are 21st of June, aren't they? Or July, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, April is when we can have a you know our first you know bite of normality again. It's it's um, beer gardens, isn't it? Beer gardens yeah, in the yeah, yeah. that's it. So Which doesn't I'm appeal th- to me in freezing weather, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> not particularly. <laughs> April in uh, in the UK is not fun. No. But um, if it was June 21st, beer gardens, yeah, I'd think, yeah, we're well safe. Yeah. End of May, mid-May, I think, I'd have been more, yeah, okay. Yeah, that seems decent. Yeah. Middle of April, Adam, who loves a pint on draft. Will be, you do yeah. love a pint. I, I, yeah, I'll be like, yeah, get me there. I yeah. want to see my mates in Manchester. I want to go down to yeah. London. I want to yeah. I want to see my mate in Scotland. I want to see all Hey, But, rational Adam, the one without a drink in him, is going, no, this is, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not saying it's wrong, because obviously yeah. the government are advised by SAGE. You know, they're advised, they've got many economists, mm. Public so, uh, social policy makers, they've got all kinds of different people giving their tuppence worth in, mm. in the cabinet. Mm. And it is a government at the end of the day, it's a functioning government, blah, blah, blah. It's democratic. That is the um, the conclusion they've come for to them, fair enough. Mm. But what I have to say is the UK government, I don't actually agree with what you've re- wrote, how you've worded the question in that way, because this yeah. is simply the roadmap for England. Yes, okay, fair enough. But they are the UK Wales. government. Yeah, Wales, however, I agree with. Okay. And the same with Scotland because they Can you discuss everything. the difference difference then? Discuss the difference. Right. Let me get a proper um source up. Um because the way Mark Drakeford has gone about the first minute of first minister of Wales. Yes. And um hold on, I, I can't do two things up. This is quite a good um, a good discussion because we are moving on to devolution later on. But in essence, what you're saying is that the um, the the smaller nations that are a part of the United Kingdom now um, are, are fundamentally disagreeing with what's going on with yeah, the, and they're going more cautiously about it. You essentially, but to be fair, Adam, what what is worth noting is that Boris Johnson's actually with this roadmap taken what many would consider to be a middle ground because there were many well, people within yeah. his cabinet. Uh, well, there were many backbench Tory MPs that were suggesting that these measures were simply too cautious and they wanted the lockdown or normality to be reached by April, May instead of later June. They wanted it to right. be unfolded over March and, and April. And then they think that this, this staggered approach is, too cautious and it's too relaxed. Uh, sorry, no. too too. What's the opposite of relaxed? Um, I don't know. Can't remember. Yeah. No, but we know what right. we mean. Yes. So in Wales, the current lockdown path is on the nineteenth of Feb. Four people can meet for exercising, but we can't yes. travel to that spot. You've got to be okay. in the same 
district, yeah. right? And it's exercise only, and it has to be social measuring, uh, social distancing. Um, on the 22nd of Feb, three to seven years olds can go back to school. Now, the 1st of March, wedding venues can reopen, but for limited sized weddings. 12th of March sees the next re review of restrictions. So the next points after this is only dependent on whether the prior ones have gone well. Yeah. Um, on the 15th of March, there's the possible reopening of non-essential shops and more schools. And mm. uh, this could include hairdressers, beauticians, primary schools, you know, so forth. And then you have Easter, which is the target date for reopening of tourism, which includes pubs. So, oh, well, it's not doesn't gardens. really include pubs. It really doesn't actually include pubs at all because it's gardens? focused on... No, because it's focused on self-contained accommodation. So even then, pubs miss out until yeah. pretty sure it yeah. is, you're talking late May, early June for pubs to even have a whiff of, you know, business. Smells. So when it comes to positive reputation, there's, there's two sides of the coin both. You've got those who would agree on the right-hand side of Wales that we are being too cautious and that Boris is doing it right. Then you've got those on the left-hand side of England hmm. going saying Dreadfoot's doing it the right way and Boris has been too reckless. So yeah. I don't think there's really any two ways about it, to be honest with you. I'm coming back to my question in a second because that's a question really for later on after we've kind of discussed this and it's it's tailored to the football part, which I kind of know a bit about there. What I would say is that the um, I was sort of suggesting it while you, while you had a look at the official thing line with Wales. And you, you described that well. And with, with England, uh, again, I call it the UK government because it is the UK government as it defined. Is officially, officially. Officially, yeah. 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 But we'll talk about that in the devolution bit. Anyway, um, so what I was saying before that is, like you said, there's people within Boris Johnson's own party that think this is far too um, strict. Far too strict. They think it should be out of lockdown in March or April, they think they, that it's being extended too long and we're being too cautious because the vaccine is going so well. And then there's other people that will say, you know, this is this is this is too relaxed because you're undermining all the good work that's been done over the past few months. The vaccine programme might not have finished by that point. And even if it is close to finishing, we don't know how the cases will have risen before that, you know, with the way we're opening up. So schools are going to go, go back, as we've said, for the past two weeks uh, on this podcast, schools will go back in March, early March, and then beer gardens will open in April with hairdressers, I think, as well opening in April, uh, as, as well as some uh, non-essential retail, I think. And then in May, um, again, I think, I, think that, I think restaurants open uh, and pubs open, uh, towards the end of May and then in June it's when the clubs open I think isn't it and bigger social I mean there's some sporting events that are also uh, being touted to have fans in and spectators in to watch uh, the, 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 there's a suggestion that that will happen as well within uh, the next the coming months uh, and this is the point uh, my initial question will the UK government come out of this pandemic with a positive reputation the big talking point which isn't official, that's come out of this week after the lockdown has been related, I think, to sport and football. So for non-footballing lovers like Adam, uh, this, this is a brief uh, definition of, of, of where we're at here. So last summer was the European Championships, European Football Championships 2020. It was cancelled because of the coronavirus pandemic. UEFA 
the European governing body for football, um, wanted to host a tournament across Europe. So have several games in different countries, England, Spain, Germany, etc. They were all going to share some of the games in their various the various stadiums that they that they have. Obviously, now the situation's different, and UEFA's line was we want to have one nation host the tournament like in the past. And because of England's strong rollout, and because of um and, and because they're they're already mooting a return for spectators before the end of the Premier League season, UEFA are now thinking that England could be that country, and England are now thinking this would be a great opportunity to mark the end of our of our crisis. And there's been a lot of talk about this on social media and the fans, the footballing fans are going crazy. They want this to happen unanimously. I've barely seen a, a voice against. And one of the voices I did see against Adam, as I told you before we went on air, was yeah, shouted yeah, down was, yeah. so many people. Really, really quite, quite harsh, actually. Quite dramatically, wasn't it? Yeah, quite, yeah. Quite, they yeah. were they were attacking him like wolves, really. They really were. And, and this is, yeah, exactly. And my point is, will the UK government come out of this pandemic with a positive reputation? If, and it's a big if, if they pull this off, they get the European Championships, they deliver a tournament, England do fairly well in the tournament, that always helps. If this happens and we don't go into a lockdown, big if, we don't go into a lockdown after this hypothetical tournament is held, after this tournament, sorry, it's not a hypothetical tournament, after this tournament's hypothetically held in England or Britain, it will be Britain because they've Hamden Park in Scotland. If they pull that off and we don't go into a lockdown after, I think the general opinion of the British people will be much more positive towards the government's handling of the pandemic because they will look at everyone else and say, well, we had a world-beating, because they like that word, don't they? We have a world-beating vaccination system. And because we had the best vaccination system in Europe, we managed to get the European Championships to come to Britain. We brought football home. And they will see that and they'll forget all the failings up until this point, I think. I hate to agree with you because... Just generally. Yes, in general, that seems to be a general (laughs) thing between you and me. But in more specific terms, seriously now, Hmm. British public, including every... You know, I include myself and you in this. Yeah. We have a tendency as a public to be goldfish. We react to everything and we blindly forget. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, I think you're right, mate. Yeah. All that death, all that horrific sacrifice that people have done will all be forgotten because of a couple of football games. Yeah. And if that doesn't kind of sun, like, I don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not a massive football fan. I'm not really a football. You're not fan a football fan, Adam. Come on. No. <laughs> well, my point, and I understand the passion yeah. of sport because I enjoy rugby. I bloody yeah. love rugby. I'm so happy yeah. it's on. You know, I love Formula One. I love rally sport. I love all of that stuff. I I understand the love Why don't of you sport. Like football? But football, I've never got into. But I understand <laughs> the almost religious. Yeah feeling you have towards yeah. a club and a sport and a way of life that comes with it. Yeah. Of course I understand that. But I I struggled to see how one could forget all the sacrifice made yeah. in the last year. Oh I agree. And but... forgive a whole government that's allowed it to happen and allowed an economy 
to pretty much dissolve mm. is it, it's horrible for me to actually think of mm. but it will happen and you're right Johnny there isn't it will happen what you've written now is absolutely fine they will come out as positive they will be seen as war heroes and they will get re-elected into it again guaranteed uh, yeah I mean th- this is the thing though and, and, I, and, I, and I've said this it is to me like throwing two big die is it dice or die dice? Two big dice, I think. And it's I don't just know, sort you of did English, mate. <laughs> not dice, is it? What am I thinking? It's like going on a roulette know. wheel, and it's all right. Yeah, it's like going on a roulette wheel, right? And you've got half of the half of the um, half of the slots are black, and half of the slots are red. Yeah? yeah, and it's red, black, red, black, red, black. This is a very high risk possibility, uh, a high risk uh, maneuver if they do this. Very yeah. high risk. If they do this, the, the cases go soaring or something goes wrong and we are back in a lockdown, then the people will remember the lockdown, I think. That's the thing. This is how high risk it is. It's a big one. He said, Boris Johnson has said, we're on the roadmap out of here now. And if he manages to pull off that roadmap that he said, which we've, we've both said seems a bit ambitious, but have understandably said, it's probably the middle ground, given some thought it wasn't ambitious enough. Yeah, some people yeah, thought, he, yeah. yeah. But Adam... And, just and, and that's us being very generous with Johnson as well. Yeah, We're being okay, very yeah, generous, yeah. Boris, on that, on that point. By no means am I thinking he's done the right thing no, here. No, but. no, no, no. But if he does that roadmap and it goes roughly according to plan <laughs> with the dates, which would mean the 21st, clubs open, uh, and, and, just, and everything sort of like that, pubs and, and big, large events that are open... Uh, just in time for the Euros. Again, I think it's a, it's a, it's obviously a thought in head. If yeah. that all goes swimmingly well and that all goes well and that all and the and the tournament happens and we are not in a lockdown, then that's great. But if we do go into another lockdown, then again he will have fallen on his sword, and that leaves them in a whole heap of trouble. But I think he's looked at it, he's had a little chat with his team, and he's thought, right, if we get this event, this is worth the risk because this turns public opinion from uh, they've not done really that well but some people sympathise and say yeah you know but any government would have struggled it changes it from on the fence because a lot are still quite sympathetic I must say when you look at social medias but it changes it from that to oh our government's got us the Euros and they've took us out of this quicker than anyone else but if I can put an economic spin on what you're saying I don't even think it's got opinion at the end of the day well yes it always comes down to opinion well, I don't. Uh, but what I'm thinking that's going on here, as well as the Euros, when yeah. you think of football fans, yeah, and you think of pubs that rely on sport to operate, money, the money. amount of exactly the amount of beer that will be drank, how that will help the the tourism industry, mm. the travel, transportation, you know, food, drink, you know, F M whatever it's called, um, the. I can't remember the name of the food industry again. (laughs) Uh, But but you're talking about, it's a boost to the economy, mate. Yeah. Taxis, Ubers, metros, trains, buses, beer, cider, orange juice, pubs, (laughs) venues, restaurants, Airbnbs. You are literally injecting the economy. You are. Yeah. And that's the big thing. And I genuinely believe that is the main driving force here. I don't think it's actually overall opinion. I think the positive opinion of the government 
is a very much welcomed side effect of this. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely spot on. One of me has a lot to do with it because conservative, being a conservative is to be pro neoliberal neoliberalistic, to be mm. pro economy, to be yeah. pro profit, new yeah. capitalism, yeah. etc. So yeah, agreed, Johnny, is the is the conclusive point. So yeah, <laughs> just to just to quickly summarize that, because that was slightly over. I think I, I don't mind going over for certain sections. We just cut the other bits out because I think that was probably a big one. But um what we're saying is, while we might not necessarily agree with it, bringing football home, so to speak, as, as people like to call it, football fans, including myself, bringing football home in a time of national crisis would uni- unanimously raise public opinion of the Conservatives. And I do think that when you look at how they'd be polling in terms of YouGov polls, they would probably be at the highest they've been since elected if they did this. As well as that, you're right, Adam. There's always a catch to it, and the big—well, it's not a catch at all—but there's always a reason for it, and often that reason there's is always driven, an economic reason behind. Which is fair enough. If you are a governor of a of a country, you should always be trying to look at the economy to some degree. Yeah, but and, the socialist in me says there's going to be personal profit profiteering going on. Yeah, which we'll come to later about me, won't we? Yeah, so, absolutely. But but yeah. in in in, in 10 seconds do this public opinion highest since elected in december 2019 i think and also um economy will get a big boom in a time when it's had a big womb that's the wrong word uh a big flop flop not womb womb's a baby a big flop um so it's working on two fronts and as we've sort of suggested I think it will almost mask the failings up until this point if they're able to finish it. In a, to use a football analogy, it's like being in a football game for 80 minutes and playing terribly and you're 1-0 down. And then you win the game 2-1 and everyone says, oh, brilliant, they came back right at the end. And that's what I think this would do if it happened. Big if. And if it goes wrong, then they get a whole heap of rubbish again because they said that we wouldn't go into a lockdown and people will point the finger again and then public opinion will understandably drop, one would imagine, with another lockdown. But if they manage to put everything in place, do this roadmap, not have another lockdown, get European championships, England do quite well in the tournament, that does actually help. Again, I, I keep saying that, but that actually does help people's opinion on being happy. Then I think they are booming as a party and I'm... Uh, I don't, well, I, good, well, happy for anyone who's a conservative, I suppose. Anyway, um, move on to some other notable news. We'll swiftly go through this. Um, because Matt Hancock, health secretary, was, uh, he faced calls for arrest this week after apparently um, disclosing the some of the contracts that were giving out to, um, uh, for, for the, uh, for, giving out contracts to help with the coronavirus uh, pandemic response uh, earlier in his tenure. These were given to people on his personal WhatsApp by all accounts, as opposed to the right people. Again, never has the phrase who you know probably been more apparent. Lots of money was thrown at these contracts, more than was probably necessary. And it came in for a lot of criticism. 
Uh, Keir Starmer actually didn't want to come in to criticise him, which uh, I was a little, I mean, after my defence last week, I was a bit surprised at. But then the argument that I saw was that would the British public care? Then when I read a tweet um, that suggested Matt Hancock fired back at some people, journalists who attacked him with a bit of quick wit from Sky saying, shouldn't they all be at parties? The general response wasn't shame on you, Matt Hancock. It was ha ha, well done, Matt, taking on the liberal lefties. So maybe Sir Gare Starmer was right. Right? Do people care, Adam? If Matt Hancock broke the law, I mean, I do, and you do. But do, does the does the general British public really give a damn? Yes. One more for one. Yeah. yeah I know. Honestly, I, if you don't care, I need you to really think about this now, <laughs> because you've got high-ranking Conservative government officials now, cabinet yeah. ministers, who have literally, through this whole pandemic, stood on a Thursday night at five o'clock, told us how to live our lives, literally told us how we should live our lives in order to survive this pandemic. Yeah. And have then gone, once the cameras have off, to somebody's mansion in Kensington and got pissed. All right? <laughs> and that, and that, that is basically the, the gist of it. And this is not isolated to Manhattan book. I read uh, an article a couple of months ago about Boris Johnson handing that out, a contract to a mate to do some Brexit shipping for him. And he didn't even own a single boat, never mind a ship. So this is not an uncommon thing. And also Dominic Cummings. Oh, don't even get me started on Dominic Cummings. Yeah. But should people be ashamed and be angry about this? Yes, bloody be angry about it because yeah. we've literally stayed at home Adam not mixed I like to think at least most of us have but yeah. I don't know well, I, it, the question wasn't should they be it's will they be will they, they be? be I'm not answering be, that yeah. question will yeah. they be I can't answer that, that, <laughs> that, that that's, that's a, that's a, that's a hypothetical be, question you know what I think you would be surprised the amount of people that when the, uh, the guy on the right does a quick witted remark they go, oh, it's just the lefties trying to be, um, what's the word, um, virtue signal to us. They're trying to virtue signal to us. I won't do do that. I, I'm with you. I find it baffling. Anyway, um, Rishi Sunak's budget plan, 5p fuel duty tax gone, wine and beer cut prices uh, when the pubs are supposedly returning, uh, and tax rises have been axed. So Sunak, oh, he's also, uh, I haven't put this in the notes, but he's also uh, going for an ETAT's help out point mark two. Um, which was probably one of the most controversial things that he did in the last uh, the last time he introduced it because it led to a spike in coronavirus cases. But given the nature of this roadmap, I think, to be honest, ETAT's help out seems to make a bit more sense this time around. It does, if possible. Along with these other cuts. Yeah, ETAT's help out was there to boost businesses, but then yeah. became a hub for large groups of people from different households to meet to get a cheap meal and a few pints in before normal prices kicked in. Yeah. But the 5p fuel duty tax gone on, you know, that, that uh, and we're wine and beer cuts and all that stuff that will be welcomed when we're able to open up properly. Of course. Um, I don't know. See, it's mad for me to read these policies and see the Conservative Party written after them. Because I'm like, come on. Such a socialist policy couldn't be such a right-wing party. But apparently not. 
Um, my problem with, there's nothing wrong with these policies individually. It is where they're put in the plan. Like, how do they fit in? I, I just, like you said, they caused spikes in cases last time. Eat out to help out was put in place. I'm not going to lie. The duty tax gone, you know, wine and beer cuts. That's all great news because that will help the survival of public houses, of pubs, bars, clubs, etc. Which is great because I do miss a good night out, mm-hmm. as we all do. Well, mm. those of us who drink or you don't even have to drink. We just enjoy going out. Yeah. Um, yes, this is all good individually. Yeah. How it fits into the grand picture and the context of the time, that's what my problem is. And I can't really give you a calculated... or No, I can give you a calculated judgment, but I can't give you an accurate judgment if we don't know what the state of you know, transmission cases, death toll, etc., our number will be like at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good, good response. Um, just to touch on this because this is this is separate from all of that, and it takes us into the next section. In fact, I'm going to cut out the uh, five minutes of uh, the British culture feature on the SNP because this is all going to blur into one, so it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So this is part of the British culture feature. It's part of the British culture feature. It's part of uh, other notable news, and it's part of the debate feature. Uh, so let's all tie it together. Alex Salmond was the former SNP leader. Nicola Sturgeon yes. is the current SNP leader. Adam. Yeah. yeah. Alex Salmond, if you don't know, he ruled the roost of Scotland for decades. He was the main man of politics for Scottish independence and the book Scotland First, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was something like that. No, he was um he was he was a, a well, a very big figure in Scottish politics, as you said. Recently, well, recent years have been Nicola Sturgeon's time to shine. She's done really well, actually, as leader of the SNP. Probably made them, I think, probably yeah, as, she, as big as they've ever been, I would have said. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree on that. Like, Sturgeon was Salmon's deputy. Yes. And then when Salmon retired, well, or took a step back. Yes. I don't know too much about Salmon, but what I do know isn't great. And, no. uh, Bit fishy, um, isn't it, Adam? As, <laughs> is that a pun on Sam? <laughs> oh wow! It's not a pun oh. on Sturgeon, is it? <laughs> is it? Oh no, no, no! I said it. I said it's not a pun on Sturgeon. I, I didn't mean anything like that. What oh are you on about? my god! What are you on about? You monster! Anyway, I'm not a anyway. monster. Anyway, don't know why. You, don't know why you were going with that. I was making a perfectly innocent joke, and you just suddenly thought I was being really rude. Awesome. Um, anyway, no. Right, back to the point. So they're in charge of the SNP. SNP, Scottish National Party, for anyone who doesn't know, um, they are basically Nationalist Party for Scotland. Um, national, probably, not Nationalist, National I said National. I said National, yeah. Well, Scottish said national. Nationalist. Oh, really no, 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 National Party, Scottish National Party. I said they, I said they are a kind of Nationalist Party in, in definition. In definition. <laughs> because they do believe in... In, in some ideals like that, not to a violent extent, but they do believe that they have the right to be their own independent country. They want to be separate from uh, from the United Kingdom. Uh, certainly uh, Nicola Sturgeon does anyway. Anyway, they're having a bit of beef because Nicola Sturgeon, Alex Salmon claims that Nicola Sturgeon has contributed massively to his downfall, which was, his downfall was um, heavily r- surrounded with sexual assault allegations 
and lots of controversial things like that, really. Sturgeon, given the evidence that she'd given in those trials, by all accounts, she misled the uh, people with some of the dates. She her stories didn't quite add up in certain situations. And now she's coming under fire. Salmon's firing back now, a bit late in the day, but he's firing back saying that she has essentially misled the people. She's she's brought down his name. It's a conspiracy. She's very bad. That's the jet. That's the that's, that's the lame. Yeah. That's, like, that's, that's yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, that's the layman's version of it. Um, so essentially, Salmon's, Salmon got a lot of... I mean, his reputation did tank quite a lot, and I don't think that's necessarily down to Nicola Sturgeon. So I don't think that she's covered herself in glory if she, she's been mistakenly telling the wrong stories or getting her facts muddled up. But some people are saying that such this whole fiasco could undermine Scottish Parliament, could force her to resign, which I think would be a shame because I actually do like Nicola Sturgeon as, a, as for what she's, you know, as a politic, as a political figure, I think she's very good. I think she's done quite well with the pandemic. Uh, rough thoughts on that before we dive into um, devolution. Um, regardless of what Sturgeon's done or not done, I think Salmon's reputation was already quite muddied, given all the stuff that came out over recent years, wasn't it? I'm sorry, but, but Salmon's just... He's looking to grab hold of anyone that he can on his way down to drag down with him. Yeah, yeah. that man. That man has done. Um, if the if the stories are true, which I suspect they probably are, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, yeah, the man's a monster. He's an horrible yeah. man. Yes. How dare he do half the stuff he's ever done? Yeah. And just by being in public office, he shrouded, protected by the law. Um, so should it... Sorry, what was the question? Should it, should it affect devolution, was it? Or? No, it was more should it... I will get to devolution in a second. It was more um, should Nicola Sturgeon be in a position where she could have to resign because no. of these situations? No, I don't think no, so. No, not at all. Because as per usual, um, it always comes down to the fact that Nicola Sturgeon has always been a bit of a controversial figure. Yeah, she has. Um, well, she's been one that's always. I like to think of my understanding of the SNP and my understanding of her history of being in Scottish leadership is that she's always put Scotland first, she's always yeah. stood for Scottish values and Scottish beliefs. And if she has to resign over that, then that's a very negative reflection, not just on salmon but UK belief, you know, system. Mm. So, mm. no, I agree. She, I no, agree. I don't think so. You know, Christ, if Boris or Cameron or Theresa May, you know, you could go on and on and on and pick out anything out of all the former leaders of the UK and say that they should have been resigned. They should resign. And and she's been told to resign because she came up with some conspiracy to bring down a sexual predator. Like, come on. Yeah. But that is a very, obviously, I'm getting it. This is a, this might be quite a tunnel vision, a very specific way of looking at it, which is the case. There's always multiple angles, multiple yeah. shades of grey. Yeah. But all 50. I'm saying is, yeah, should she <laughs> resign? No, not at all. She's done an excellent job for this pandemic. She's looked after her people. Yeah. She stood her ground. Yeah. Go that, away, was a, 
but yeah, yes, exactly. Um, that was an underrated joke by me, which I felt deserved more appreciation. But um, fifty. I shades didn't even of hear gray. it. What was it? Fifty shades of grey. I said you said there's a number of shades. I said fifty, and you, you just you just ended up yeah, talking about. Should, it, yeah, it should have yeah, continued being it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Safe to say, I don't think there'll be salmon fishing in the Yemen anytime yeah, soon. Anyway, it's good film that. Uh, not not going to shroud its reputation with Mr Alex Salmon I'm not a big fan either anyway tying into that devolution is it a good thing what point does it need to stop if at all it does need to stop now you're our expert on devolution you know more about this than me because you're in a country Wales that has been in the process just like Scotland it's campaigning for it strongly yeah Scotland Scotland has um, you know, uh, Parliament. Well, Wales also has its own uh, party yeah. that's leading it, isn't it? And there's a lot of there's a lot of 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 of, um, of public for um, public opinion in favour of uh, devolution from Scotland and Wales and uh, Northern Ireland as well. So the Northern Ireland business is a lot more complicated than what. Yeah. Wales and Scotland have going, so I'd probably steer away from Northern Ireland for now. Talk us through it. Talk us through it. Devolution. Okay, yeah. for anyone who doesn't know what a devolved state is, so the United Kingdom is, or Great Britain, is a country made up of four states, um, such as the United States of America. How? But when you think of the United States of America, you know that you're going from Washington. But when it comes to Britain, we're going from London. We're going from Westminster. Mm-hmm. Um, however, what people have found in Scotland and Wales is not due to geographical, you know, population dispersion. You know, Sc- Scotland's home to six million people, Wales is home to three million, Northern Ireland's home to five, England's home to forty-two million. So when it comes to governance, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland are largely their voices aren't what you call strongly heard in Parliament. So, and this has increasingly become problematic, especially with the blatant disregard that British governors held over Scottish beliefs, Welsh beliefs, and Northern Irish beliefs over the you know, following years. Um, so, a devolved country is a country that has power over its internal matters to a degree, however, still has to consult a higher power, being Westminster. Evolution is cutting that tie to that higher power and having your own internal power being the main source of power. So that is what devolution is. So explain the difference then between Scotland and Wales in terms of that process. Right. Scotland and Wales. Scotland have always been far more outspoken as a general higher populace. You know, there's a high percentage of the population that have openly spoken for independence in Scotland over the last few decades, probably 100 years by now, um, than there has been in Wales. In Wales, it's always exists. There's always been proud Welsh people who have always wanted independence since the 1900s, you know, um, even before then. However, in Scotland, it is not only that a larger country and they have more economic play in the UK um, economy, is that there's always been high support for it. And consequently, it's always been far higher on the agenda points of the forefront of politics than it has been in Wales. 
But in recent years, Wales basically have had enough, or there's been a higher percentage of Welsh, you know, younger generation of Welsh people have gone to university of wide education than their forefathers, foremothers, four people have done prior to them. So what we're seeing now in Wales is this new waves of educated, Welsh-speaking, Welsh-loving, Welsh-cultured individuals who believe actually when we compare ourselves to other economic powers across the world, when we look at our own economy and the taxation and the deals made with Westminster, there is actually credible, plausible ability for Wales to become independent. So, yeah. And it's the same in Scotland. It's the same in Scotland. Scotland, you know, the, the one of the main whiskey distributors of, of the world, Scotch, is Oy. a global-known drink. Oy. So on distilleries alone, you're talking a, a lot of produce. What I'm saying is Wales and Scotland, but if you're talking from a nationalist point of view, they've always been on a harness and a leash extended to the distance that the English government have seen fit. That's the narrative. Oh, that's the guy. Yeah, really yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah. good. Well done. You know, you said that. Whenever I, whenever I end up doing that, I always go, um, uh, um, uh, um. It's like I'm, uh, but you did that with such flawlessness. Uh, very good. It's amazing what a couple of cans of lost wine. I'm just about to say, yeah, yeah. maybe that's made you more uh, eloquent. Um, this is why um, I want pubs to reopen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I'm probably doing myself a disservice there. I'm a world-class speaker, but um, I was just surprised that you did it so eloquently, Adam. There you go. It's oh, the, it's oh thank you, mate. <laughs> no, with the backhand no of compliment well, yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. Just to jump on that again, uh, keep on the devolution bandwagon. At what point is... Obviously, you've talked... Independence is, is essentially full devolution, sure. Um, but... Is there a point where you think, actually, I would like it to stop at a certain point? And we've talked about this, not on the pod, I think we talked about this just on a call once and or outside of the pod, and it was, I suggested, what happens if physical borders go between England and Wales so that every time you leave Wales or Scotland even, for example, let's, let's imagine, you know, from their point of view, every time, but from your point of view in Wales, every time you leave Wales, you have to go through the, go through a border the passport and things like that because technically you're leaving to a different country and is that something you'd want it becomes a bit of an inconvenience how would that work with trade would it make it harder to trade i mean in theory if you become an independent country and wales is wales and it's separate from england surely that's a process that might have to happen yeah i think that's uh, that's a general you know characteristic of becoming independent isn't it yeah um it is that you know that 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 hard border between two countries. However, you think of Europe, yeah, and you can travel from France to Spain without flashing a passport, yeah, uh, even on planes. You know, yeah. um, that is the sort of border I think a lot of Welsh people would want. Because we're not saying we. I think, uh, and I'll go with the we. I will support them with the yeah. we. Is that we as Welsh people don't want to lose connection with England. We like England. We like we we like um, the ability to go to the big cities. 
the supermarkets, the food, the drink, the different cultures, we think it's all great. However, we would like it in our own country as well. And at the moment, certain trade parameters and abilities to self-govern um, limit our ability to expand and explore in the same way. Now, people, do I want a hard border? No, I don't have to flash a passport between Wales and England because it's such a fluid border. You know, people are so used to going in and out of the country. You don't flash anything when you go through. Oh, the- not particularly. You can if you want, but you probably get arrested. <laughs> but I think it's one of those, is there limits to devolution? No, there's no limits to devolution. Anyone who suggests that a country can't become independent is either, you know, suggesting that the country's either being A, run by somebody, you know, a dictatorship, a totalitarian regime that infringes human rights, freedom, so forth. Wales is a firm democracy. You know, well, quite easily self-governed. So there's no issues on that front. I think what a lot of it's going to happen with, when it, especially when we think of Westminster, England, is it, it's the loss of ability to utilize resources, energy. Yeah. Wales is a massive producer of water, wind energy, solar energy. It's these small economic, you know, plays. It, especially water. Water is the main resource. I, I could talk with that about this in an yeah. incoherent, you yeah, know, yeah. jump frog leaping from one subject to another. Yeah. Hard border would not be liked on either side. No. But I think if Wales saw as a necessary, people would be more than happy to do it. Mm. I think it'll, I think there's so much to talk about this week, particularly with, with the roadmap coming out, which took up a lot of time. We'll probably shorten the American section slightly uh, because, again... We are well over time, aren't we? Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no. I, I'd rather keep with the content that's kind of re- uh, important because at this end, of course, we talk about America. We don't actually have the as good an insight on America as we would on political affairs in Britain. So I think we'd stick with this slightly as well. And it's important to say, I think with Scotland, the independent vote is now back in, has been back in full swing for a while. And I think that's coincided with the fact that Britain voted to leave the European Union, hasn't it? That was a really big sort of swing for Scottish voters to say, well, hang on, even though we voted to stay with Britain, that was before Britain decided to vote to leave the European Union. And big clamber in Scotland to almost rejoin or seek an alliance with Europe away from that alliance that Britain currently has with with the European Union after Brexit. Yeah, literally. Mm. It's an extremely contentious topic because there's the economist on the side of, like when I think of my my personal economist, Wales doesn't have a hub. You know, that's the problem. You think of England, you see London, and you think you think the stock markets. Yeah. You think the bank sector. Yeah. You know all that money, just in that one little corner of England. You think of Wales. We don't have anything like that to offer. If Wales ever stood a chance of becoming an actual power to be reckoned with, they'd have to start the negotiations of independence and devolution through rega- regaining um, control over home resources. So yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from your point of view, because um, I know, I remember, I think I asked you this a few years ago, and you were very on the fence about it because I think, again, I suppose it's changed, we've changed it quite a lot politically over the past few years. But what would your stance be now? Would you want to go all the way with devolution, or is, you, is there still a bit of you holding back and saying, well, 
I do still believe that I suppose when when the governments governments change over time, particularly with the United Kingdom, is there any belief that Wales could still be successful as part of the UK, or do you think that ship sailed now? They'll always be successful as part of the UK, and I think that comes down to very much the holiday home ownership level here, the retirement level, the presence of people who identify as English over Welsh predominantly in the country. So that ship hasn't sailed at all. And there are plenty of firm Welsh people who believe that we still need England to survive. Mm. However, there is certainly plenty on board that could, you know, perform a successful mutiny and get the ship sailing in a different direction. So I'm still on the fence, mate. Um, I still stand by the point that until we get firm control, and it's the same with Scotland, I should think, until we get firm control over resources, internal um, economics, that's when the politics becomes more viable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, that's very good. No, that's very good. Good summary. And uh, yeah, devolution, I think, is a fascinating topic and certainly one oh, I can massively. look at with with different... Well, I can't, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't rival the same knowledge as Adam for that, so I'll leave that mainly to him uh, to discuss that from his point of view and to look at that from, from a, a country that could actually uh, seek this um, position in the future. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, anyway, the same with Scotland. Anyway, on to a bit about America now then. And again, this was heavily UK focused for obvious reasons, roadmap. Scotland being in the news with the SNP fallout and then it was a nice topic to bring us with devolution. So now slightly shorter segment on America, but uh, relevant as ever. Uh, Sky News a few days ago running with the uh, headline COVID-19 deaths are down and infection rates are falling, but the US is far from out of the woods. Um, So essentially, while Joe Biden's presidency has probably added some normality to the uh, events in America, you're not going to have large scale yeah, rallies. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, there's, there's not not many large scale rallies. Although I will say there were. I, don't know, I didn't watch it, but I saw saw some brief highlights of uh, the NFL uh, Super Bowl, and there was still there's still a, a a set number of fans that were in attendance, although socially distant. A reminder that there was still um, there were still certain sporting events taking supporters. That is one of the biggest events, the Super Bowl in sport, never mind America, just in sport in general. Um, so I suppose it would have been a bit of a, well, it would have been a shame, but it is a global pandemic not to have had anyone on. They had quite, a, I think they had 20,000 on or something like that. So quite a lot, but socially distant. Um, but aside from that, um, again, like, like you said, like I said, a bit more normal now in America in terms of the response to coronavirus, uh, taking it a bit more seriously, and the signs are good, but there has been some poor weather across America, really, really bad weather, and really that has weather. affected uh, supply chain issues with the vaccine and the rollout's been, the, the rollout delivery's been staggered, and it's not going as swimmingly as maybe it has been going in the United Kingdom. And that's that's quite sad, really, because um, the number of people who've died from coronavirus um, on this Monday just gone uh, in the US, uh, it surpassed 500,000. So obviously 
they are one of that's the biggest s- countries in the world, but that's a ridiculous number, isn't it? That's a sobering number. You'd think it, but you'd hope it's a sobering number for the uh, for the for the mm. population, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, proportionally, as Sky notes, that's not as bad as the UK or Italy, but still a staggering figure it is. It's the most, I think, it's most in the world. I might be wrong, it might be Brazil, so don't quote me on that, but it's definitely one of the most in the world uh, in terms of just numbers there. But that yeah, also, it's an extremely to, high figure. Yeah. You've got to bear in mind that that's also because America are an extremely big country. Um, so that's going to probably be the case. Uh, and then new figures uh, show life expectancy fell by a full year in the US for the first six months of 2020. But the gap between black and white Americans is now six years. Again, could more be done to help ethnic minorities? It's a similar question we're asking in this country as well, uh, to be fair, because um, unfortunately, many people from BAME uh, groups are housed in areas that are less economically developed, generally, than... Yeah, they're of an economic, socio-economic disadvantage. You know, it's... Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's sad, but it's true, and yeah. that's resulting. You know, more people in a household, more people gathering. You know, and that is perfect conditions for a for a for a for a virus such as yeah. COVID spread. You know, it's a, it. There's there's no lies. There's nothing controversial there. That is the truth. Yeah, yeah, and we just read about that, really, Adam. And we, we you're right. It's very sobering. It's very sobering in a, in the sense that. When you, well, I mean, our death toll is quite sobering as well, but you would again forget that almost with the noise that's been going on about the vaccine rollout. And that is to a point, the vaccine rollout's to a point, something we should be grateful for, the seemingly swim. I mean, I know people that's got vaccinated here and they said that the, the way it's been done has been fantastic. The people are very friendly, very helpful. The procedure, there's never been big queues or anything. People have always been looked after really well. And we've got we've got to be quite grateful, I think, for that in this country in a way. Because, again, when you see when you hear stories about America now suffering, probably through no fault of their own due to the weather, big country means that um, stagnated uh, supply chains are going to have a big effect because there's a lot of people that need to get vaccinated. But when you hear stories like that, you do think, well, we are quite fortunate in a way that our, well, for the, one of the first times during the pandemic, our response has been quite efficient and quite good. It's, it's a, we can list on one hand the amounts of times it's been that good, but hey ho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it, but again, we, we do wish those, those in America quite well, um, particularly with, yeah. um, with that and i also do think and you agree with me and i think most of the world agrees with me the administration that's in charge now they won't be perfect because it's very difficult to be perfect and during this pandemic but what they will do is they'll try and be more sensible i think is the word yeah i mean hopefully yeah, it can't be much less sensible than the previous administration at times were during the uh, during the crisis. But we have high hopes for um, for this. Um, yeah, we do. We do. Well, I'll end on a few on a, on a few lighter notes. I think I'll let you go with this one, Adam. This is a funny story uh, about a sheep needing a barber. <laughs> I have read about this. Go, go, good, fantastic. Go, Barack the sheep. Now, not, not the previous president. Not the previous president. Not the 44th president of the United States, no. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, yeah. yeah not yeah. Trump the but, sheep. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, come on, mate. I was a beautiful anyway. sheep. I was a beautiful Bar- sheep. 
<laughs> so Barack, the sheep, loses 35 kilograms, which is about 70 pounds of fleece in a That's much crazy. To, to, so basically, poor Barack has been lost in the Australian outback. I think oh. he's near Melbourne. Was it or was it Victoria? I can't remember now. But it was basically poor, poor, poor Barack has been wandering for the last few five years by himself. No oh, one's talked to. Really and nobody's sharing him. No one's sharing him. And people are thinking, well, why do sheep actually need shearing if they can survive without being sheared before? Because it molts like any other animal. But sadly, Barack, like many sheep in the world, have become dependent on human intervention and have evolved to be needed to be sheared and looked after humans. And this is what's happened to Barack. And he's promptly grown out what can only be described what looks like a, a filthy blanket, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, just obviously this is audio you're listening to. And I, I'll try my best to describe it. It looks really, I mean, you just, you made it, you made me really sad then. Poor Barack's been wandering around with no one to shear him. It's, I am, I'm tearing up. I'm tearing up. Yeah, yeah, I know. This, I know, it's animal abuse when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It is, uh, it is. It's really bad. Poor thing. Uh, Barack does look miserable. It looks like he's wearing a big anorak, doesn't it, um, over his head? <laughs> it's more than an anorak. It's like yeah. an anorak with two quilts underneath. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, yeah, he looks really sad. He looks really old. Um, like an, yeah, and, and, and it looks quite hairy, uh, rough skin, like a heavy. big duffel coat. Heavy, yeah, heavy. heavy. Well, imagine what the... walking around with forty kilograms around you constantly. Maybe some people do like, but hey ho. Yeah, <laughs> he just looks so sad, poor Barack. Oh my God! Yeah, that is, this was on the funny news story section of Sky News. This is the sad news section. I'm looking at him now. Barack is in go. a cage. He's in a cage. There you go. On this Barack second photo. Had, there you go. Barack had seventy-seven pounds worth of fur on. Go down. There you go. Thirty-five kilograms, oh seventy-seven word. pounds worth of wool hanging off you. Oh my yeah. word. So there you go. He was 37 miles. Oh. oh, yeah, go up, go up, go up. There you go. So from Sanctuary near Langfield, Lansfield, Victoria, about 37 miles north of Melbourne. There you go. I thought I remember Geography there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought I remember that correctly. Yeah. So, yeah, but then again, he was shit and he had some proper food and water to drink. Oh, and look at him. Barack. Happy as Larry. Yeah, I mean, Oberak. <laughs> I mean, no, just for context again, this is another picture description of the sheep. He looks mad. I mean, he's took the duffel coat off now. He's got like a, what do you call that on the top of him there? He's got a blanket on top of him now, hasn't oh, he? He's, wear, he's, wearing, he's wearing like a fleece, isn't he? A protective wearing coat. A little fleece, like a normal sized fleece. And he does look happy. Although he does look, he looks like he, he looks like a serious sheep, doesn't he? He's staring at the camera. He's, he's seen stuff, man. You know, yeah. like, well, you no, know, I don't know. I don't he's know. lived a life. He, he was by himself for five years, just wandering around, growing out all that hair. He's probably been attacked by all kinds of hyenas and wolves, but none of them could get to him because of that coat. You know? He, he, so, this guy's seen war. He's been in the trenches. You know? Oh. Foraged for food. Poor thing. It, it is. Uh, I, I, I think we're just going to stick on this story instead of moving on to another one. Because I am... Oh, another photo of Barack. He's sat down there, and it looks like he's been swallowed by... A duffel coat with a giant poo. It does look like a giant poo. It does. It does, it it does, does look like it? a giant poo. And he's staring out at the giant poo and his facial expression doesn't change. <laughs> like he's had Botox 
where you can't move your face. Um, oh. oh, God. It, uh, any, oh, Mr. Uh, Beherend, I think, who helped him out. Um, I that, that was the farmer who finally found him, wasn't it? Farmer Beherend. Beherend. He, uh, he, he added, it goes to show what incredibly resilient and brave animals sheep really are, and we could not love them anymore if we tried. I mean, Adam, you well, particularly love sheep. Just because I'm Welsh. No! No! That was a culturally appropriated joke, that was. But No, but you do love sheep. Do you not love sheep? I do love sheep. I love sheep. I do. I love sheep. They are great animals. Even, I, I can't sheep. lie. Yeah, they're very clever, actually. Oh, yeah, <laughs> what do you mean they're very clever? Ah, uh, no, they, they stick in packs. But either way, that's a very wholesome way to end this. Uh, it is. I like that one. That's yeah. a really nice one. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful sheep. Happy, happy Barack. But join us next week for there's some debate, some look at Amer uh, America from overseas, a funny news story or a heartwarming and lovely news story like Barack the Sheep and all the other little snippets that come across the week of British politics, ethics, and just general good news. So, or bad news, mainly bad. But, Probably uh, a lot more bad than we like, but hey -ho. But yeah, we, we, we <laughs> beggars, you know, we, we, we take what we're given and we make, we mould something out of it. That is this show. So follow us at Pintanpol, at Pintanpol. I never say that enough. And this should be on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Transistor, and all that good jazz. So take care, stay safe in crazy times, and thanks for listening.